A very warm welcome to this World Game Changers podcast, where your host, Paul D. Lowe, embraces many crucial conversations that compassionately contribute towards creating a better life and world. Paul's intention is very simple, to help get people's inspirational insights and motivational messages out into the world so others may benefit. Hello, World Game Changers, wherever you are today in the world. It is my immense pleasure to welcome back a guest that um, that spoke to us last time around the language of winning. My fellow namesake, if you will, Peter Lowe. Peter, very warm welcome to you, sir. And always a pleasure to be with you as well, Paul. Um, great to be back. So you may recall, listeners, from the first episode, the first of a mini-series of five, Peter gave us an introduction to his book, The Language of Winning, and discuss the first chapter in that called Culture Makes or Breaks. So what we intend to do in this part of the game, this phase of play, if we can use that technical football term, we're going to discuss chapters two and chapters three. So at this point, Peter's the proverbial referee. I've blown the whistle. Let the game commence. Right, Paul, here we are then. Chapter two, what we call it is, or what I call it, it's called Creating Lines of Success. And where I was going with this, where I want people to kind of walk into my headspace, if you like, which, by the way, is a very challenging thing to do for anybody, but try to walk into my headspace. I go along the lines, Paul, and I use this phrase from an ex-basketballer in, um, in the States by the name of Tim Duncan, he used to play for the San Antonio Spurs and was a bit of a, a bit of a good player, actually. Good, better, best. Never let it rest until your good is better and your better is best. Great comment. And it's all about creating lines of success. It's about setting yourselves up to succeed and how we actually do that. So creating lines of success, for me, has, in essence, a few things in it. And it was essentially this, really briefly... A team who are not frightened of exploiting their own talents and bigging up achievements was a big thing. So in other words, when people dig things well, big it up, tell everybody how well they've actually done. A team who didn't shy away from exploiting each other's talents. A team who shared each other's successes. A team who didn't fear what I call the F word, in other words, failure, but who instead saw it as a competitor to be challenged head on. In other words, every time you fail, you don't shy away from having a go again you have a real goal because failing is part of succeeding. A team who were leaders and not followers, and that's a really big point, Paul. That's a really, really big point now. And a team who set unrelenting high standards. And those that's the basis of where you start. And in it, there's a couple of other things that I think are significant. And by no means, this is complete, okay? But I didn't want to make the chapters huge. What I do is called creating a winner's mindset. Now, at this point, I'll say this. Anybody can win once, Paul. Anybody. But it's about ingraining how we become a winner, how we become one, and creating the steps or the six steps of creating lines of success. So, for example, just giving you an example of a couple of them, that's okay. Make your teams of people of the best people you can find to put in them. So if you haven't got the best people, then either you've got to train your people up or you go and get the best people. 
and create a real learning environment right from the start. Not, not halfway through, right from the start, because that way, those that you want to train up will always be able to learn from those who know more than they do at that moment in time. And equally importantly, learn from their experiences. And then is what you do is you set expectations that others are afraid to even consider. In other words, you make them enormously big. And I know I can hear the psychologists in the world going now, oh, whoa, 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 hold on a minute. Well, guys, I'm going to say to you, I, I, I profoundly disagree with this thing on setting expectations you can achieve. I used to speak to players about having the biggest dreams you could possibly have. Because when you do that, you're likely to achieve parts of it, maybe not all of it, but parts of it that might be bigger than any expectations, Paul, that you ever had. Mm. And I hope that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. And that is creating lines of success. In a nutshell. Because I suppose the more you raise the bar and dare to dream, you know, it's a bit like having a vision. You know, you create a big vision and the more time goes by through experiential learning, wisdom, research, call it what you will, you're going to get closer. So for me then, raise the bar even more because a vision should never be achieved. You just keep raising that bar higher and higher and higher. Yeah, and I, I can't disagree with that. I mean, um, I know that people use the word excellence. It's, it's like um, about achieving excellence. Funny enough, I've just come off a conversation with two really clever lads, and um, they, they asked me a question about this word excellence. I said, I really hate it. I'll be honest with you, Paul, I hate it, this word excellence. I think it's nebulous. Mm. Okay. I mean, let me explain what I mean by that. Some people's excellence is quite mediocre with respect. Others set an expectation and they don't achieve all of that expectation. Does that mean, therefore, you failed and you failed to achieve excellence? Now, as I see, the answer is no. What you're doing is building learning. What you're doing is building an ability to want to learn. What you're doing is creating learned experiences which are there in the in what i call your bank account of memories for the future mm. so the next time you face a challenge of the same ilk you can delve into that bank account of memories and go right i did it this way last time round. might need to adjust it a little bit here but the important thing about that paul is that you know you've already done it so therefore you know you can do it again yeah. there is yeah. no such thing as can't in that respect and so for me, I prefer to remove excellence with, with the phrase constant improvement, continuous improvement. Even if it's only by half a percent at a time, it doesn't matter. Put it in place. It's a progression. It's a step forward. You're climbing that, that ladder even higher in terms of your performance. Mm. And so to me, that's a, you know, the, the people could say they're only plays on words. And interestingly, I think a play on words is a really big thing. So if I may use a phrase for you, I genuinely believe this, by the way. It's not what you say that really matters. It's what you don't say and how you don't say it. Absolutely. Silence is golden. And yeah. isn't it true, Pete, that we as humans generally, we struggle with silence? Oh, I'm some. 
We feel that we the need to say something, that nervous energy of like, well, well, I'll say anything, and 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 you can always tell with the tone of the voice because it usually goes like, and 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 and, and, and I don't really know what I'm saying, but but but, but um, and, and all that kind of stuff. Rather than just, you know, if we can learn to take a few deep breaths and just step back and say, actually, thanks for that comment. I've got nothing to add. Absolutely. I completely yeah. agree with that. Less, less is more. It's a brilliant phrase, Paul, mm. isn't it? Mm. Less is more. It's a really, it's a really great phrase. Yeah. There's, uh, there is an imminent podcast that's going to be called Silence is Golden. I'm not going to give too much away, listeners, but um, just let's say that uh, the key word is the podcast. It'll be a unique podcast because the key word here is silence. Just a little teaser on another episode, another time, another place on that one, just to reinforce how much we, yet again, as a generalization, as human beings struggle with this. And it's a beautiful, powerful communicator, isn't it, to be silent, oh, yeah. if, we, if we know how to use it right. Oh, yeah. And, and some, there's no question about that. It's, um, you know, great leaders, great coaches, great teachers, um, great parents, actually, if it comes to that. Um, they all say the right things at the right time. And, uh, you know, people still say you want to create followers. No, you don't want to create followers. Not in my opinion, Paul. You want to create leaders. Yeah. Leaders create leaders. They don't create followers. If you're creating followers, you're not a leader. And I know that's contentious for some people to listen to. But I, I genuinely believe that. You know, in 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 a, in a squad of players, you wanted players to lead. You know, you, you can't make every decision for them when they're on the field. It's their place. That's their place of work. Then, your place of work, yes, is on the touchline. But what you do from there is you encourage, you say, "Well done, great piece of work." You offer pieces of advice, or you make tactical changes. And that's the only thing, the only place where you interject from from the touchline the rest of it is down to them it's their performance they've got to own that using the uh the the theatrical way of putting it but they do they have to own that football pitch it's got to belong to them because mm. if you don't they'll never learn to manage the pressure absolutely yeah and and you you know just going back to something you said earlier on pete around this you know words are just words listeners you've heard me say so many times the power of words you know, and the way that we say it. So yes, silence is absolutely a very powerful tool. But you know, the language, the language we use to others, more importantly, <clears throat> the language we use to ourselves. How do we say it? More importantly, what part of the bigger story is it we're telling ourselves? And the words, the way we tell it, critical. And, and I think really, Pete, unless we kind of have the awareness to, to know these things, we just do what we just do. And then we wonder at times, well, why does the same kind of thing keep, you know, producing the same, I hasten to use the word, but why do I keep making the same mistakes? I don't really believe in that word, mistakes. See there, case in point, listeners, I'm checking myself. I've used a word, not happy with that word, mistake. No such thing. It's a misnomer. Well, I like what you said there, Paul, and I'm, I'm going to back this up because at the end of each of the chapter, the chapters in the book, as you know, there is a play on, on, on our surnames, if you like, and it's called The Lowdown. 
And it's basically a, a, the main concluding points from each chapter. And the one thing that you've just talked about there is um, saying less, listening more, et cetera, et cetera. And it, it simply goes, listen with big ears and a big sensitivity. What you say matters, but it's often what you don't say that matters most and how you don't say it. Develop a communication style to suit the moment and learn to wear different hats, people. Listening really does give you a chip in the big game. For sure it does. For sure it does. Listening is, a, is one hell of an underrated skill. Yeah. And you know what? This is a creative play on words, listeners, if you will. But when you look at the word heart, you know, that passion, that fire, heart, no coincidence that the first four letters of that word heart are actually here. Just a thought. Yeah, very good point, Paul. So, yeah, words are important. Silence is important. Communication. But isn't it true, as I've said, we kind of as humans, you know, apologies, listeners, for keep generalising with that phrase as humans. But, you know, how do you address so many diverse aspects of society without using a blanket term like as humans? Because the reality is we have, you know, we're all at different points along the path. That's not to say that one is better or worse. We're at different points, but we have the same opportunity to learn because isn't the reality, Pete, we never or should never, and I'm mindful of that word should as well. So using language to communicate, but then checking myself, should is a big trap, is a big trap, like the word perfect, a big trap. But this kind of, doesn't matter where we are on the path, Pete, does it? It's no, about absolutely not. But it, it, it is about knowing where you are on the path. If you don't know where you are on the path, then you, you as a leader, certainly you're creating what I call the Ministry for, for Confusion. I think that, that actually has to happen. I don't think there's any question about that. This week, Paul, somebody put um, an article on LinkedIn and quoted uh, something that I'd actually said, which I found quite nice, actually. Um, it's always nice to see other people... How may I put this? Agreeing or not necessarily, or even disagreeing with some of your works, to be quite honest, because that at that stage it gives you a, an opportunity to discuss or even, um, shall we say, um, intelligently argue, which I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, but what they put on, on there was that um, I stated that culture is, is everything, it's not something, it's everything. And we talked about that in the previous podcast. Mm. Um, but it goes through everything that we're talking about in these podcasts, Paul. It's your organisational DNA. It's the basis for your success. And it's the place where mindsets learn how to be winners. And there is no question about that. So once you've done that and you're creating lines of success, what you're doing now is effectively putting down your foundations. Uh, you're putting your bricks on your foundations. Your foundations have been laid with your culture. And now you're starting to build those walls. And these are your little bits, these are your lines of success. You know, it's um, making your teams up of your best people possible and creating a learning culture right from the start. But you know what it also is as well, and this is a whoppingly big point. If you're a leader and you ask your teammates to bring their A-game mentality every single time, that's one thing, by the way. But leaving yours in hiding is not acceptable. So you always have to ensure that your mindset is not the one that prevents development. That's one tough thing to do. 
And I'm not sure that some people want to face that because there's a reality check there, isn't there, Paul? Mm. You know, um, you were at a football club many, many years ago with a great Mr. Brian Clough and what he achieved and his people achieved out of nothing um, at the club that you were at at the time was nothing short of amazing, to be quite honest with you. Absolutely nothing short of amazing. You know, so um, these are all the things that can be achieved if you put down how you want to do it. The, uh, but, just picking up on that, it's made me smile. Um, it always does when I hear the word Brian Clough, the words Brian Clough, the name Brian Clough. But <laughs> Cluffy had um, a way about agreement. And this is, a, you know, listeners, this is a, a well-known um, saying, one of many Cluffy's well-known sayings. And it was usually when one of his players come in because he hadn't been picked or he wanted a pay rise. And Cluffy mm -hmm. had a well-known saying, he come into my office, we discussed it, and then he yeah. had like, after two minutes because he decided I was right. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Quite brilliant. Hilarious, actually. Yeah. And, um, and a bit tongue-in-cheek, Pete, I mentioned that I was doing some kind of support on a relationship um, scenario. And humorously, uh, or so I thought at the time, one half of the uh, relationship found it very humorous. The other half didn't. But I mentioned that example and said, well, maybe, you know, you listen to the guy, um, the masculine energy, talk about it for two minutes and decide he was right. Well, yeah. I'll give it to you listeners <laughs> to decide which half was happy with that. What I thought was humor. One of them thought it was very funny. The other one didn't. I'll leave you to decide which one didn't think it was funny. <laughs> <laughs> very good, mate. Very, very good. So let's move on, Pete, to the, uh, the sure. third chapter in the book, Influencing Mindsets. Well, this, this is the key to all of it, Paul, as far as I'm concerned, because the simple reality is if you ever want to get the best out of your people, it's not a one-time thing, that isn't. It's an all-time thing. It's an everyday thing. It's an every-minute thing sometimes. And even off beyond that, it's an every-second thing. Influencing <clears throat> mindsets, it never stops. So, you know, so if you're in a position of responsibility or a leader or whatever it might be, just because your team or your people or whatever it might well be said are doing well at that moment in time, don't take it for granted that's always going to be the case. Because there will be moments of what I call fear of failure set in or fear of success, believe it or not, or managing things that go wrong on a daily basis, as the Pat, great Pat Riley called them, managing thunderbolts. Things, in other words, that you don't know, they're not going to happen. You've no idea they're going to happen. But it comes to ground with a clattering thump, and you have to put right what's just gone wrong. You know, there's often a little catastrophe that's happened there. You know, so um, influencing mindsets, you know, I'm... I put at the beginning of this chapter a, a quotation from uh, Eleanor Roosevelt, the, the wife of, obviously, the great President Roosevelt. Great minds discuss ideas, average minds discuss events, and small minds discuss people. And there's nothing truer. You know, so influencing mindsets, it never, ever stops. And that, that, uh, Sorry to interrupt, Pete. I've heard that quote so many times before. Yeah. Fantastic. Just slow it down for us because it's well worth sure. hearing yet again. Okay, he says, great minds discuss ideas, average minds discuss events, and small minds discuss people. Yeah. 
And the thing is about discussing ideas. Uh, and that was a key, key part of the success that we had in the early days at Manchester City. Nobody was frightened of coming up with ideas, even if, by the way, they were ridiculous in context. It doesn't matter. Because, as I said in the first podcast, we had one, one simple thing written on the walls. Only one thing. And you had to see, because it was placed outside the office door where we had all the meetings. So to go in through, in, through the door into the, into the office, you had to actually see the sign. And it simply said, we're all think alike, nothing ever changes. Mm. It's, it's brilliant. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's brilliant. It's not written by a literary genius or whatever that might be, but the man was a genius. I do genuinely believe that. Jim Castle, the academy manager, was a clever man. He always contested he wasn't, but he was a clever man. Um, he was a, cl a lot cleverer than he thought. He was brilliant at getting people to do things that they didn't often want to do. And he was a gentleman in a very difficult, very, very difficult business. And that, I think, is a wonderful quality. Um, and, and I'm all for that, if I'm honest with you. So this thing about influencing mindsets, it never stops. You know, and if I could just give you one, when I went to Manchester City, Paul, in July of 2000, I actually went as a Man United fan. I've been a Man United fan all my life. Now, you might think, well, so what? Well, my heart was on the red side of the city. I had to learn now to understand that, that my loyalty had to be on the blue half of the city. That's quite a contest for somebody who wanted to support his, his sort of growing up football club, for the want of a better way of putting it. The one where his dad took him for the very first game that he ever saw. And he watched the great George Best play and he never forgot it. That's quite a contest in a person's mindset, that. But it was my first challenge when I actually walked through those doors there for the first time. And I understood that. And, and the one key thing about um, influencing mindsets is that you have to give your team of people what I call the heads up on standards on a daily basis, because standards change. They should never regress. Sometimes they do, but they should never regress. And they should always go forwards, even sometimes with small, small increments in change. Nonetheless, that's an improvement and it's an increment of change. And so you have to constantly give them the heads up on, um, on standards. And this bit, Paul, I'm going to say to your listeners, I think it's colossal this. The thing is about influencing mindsets is that you have to understand that in a team of people, it's made up of completely different mindsets. Some of them have very big egos. Some of them are maverick thinkers. Some are what I call lone rangers. They prefer to work on their own. Some are what I call egotists, not egos. And now you have to work out if it's an egotist, can I afford to keep him in the team or her in the team? And so part of your job in order to influence all of those different types of mindsets is to know everybody in your team, who each, what each one of them actually is. And as I said in the previous um, podcast, and I'm going to say, because I've said it in so many interviews I've done recently, a lot of people say, leave your ego at home. Well, we wanted our egos to be brought to work, Paul. And the reason being is because ego and confidence are the same bed partners. They're very closely aligned. But if you let them get out of control, they become an egotist. That's when the environment gets threatened. 
for egos, bring them in through the door for two reasons. One, you want to see who's got the really big egos. And secondly, you want to be able to influence the egos. And that's, that's a critical part of any, any style of any winning environment. Hence the phrase, Paul, the language of winning. It's the unspoken word or the unspoken phrase. I like it. Runs deep. Just want to take you back, Pete, something you said about uh, sharing that anecdotal experience of going to the, uh, the terraces of Old Trafford as a child. Yeah. When I was at Forest, what the uh, commercial department did, they, they had this, and apparently there's some psychology to back this up. And they did, <clears throat> excuse me, and it's what they called the seven scheme. And the idea being was that the psychology behind it, and there'd been a lot of you know research around this, that when um, a, a child first goes to a football match, that first game that they see with whatever team it is, that's it that first emotional connection that's made. And that can be helped somewhat by the fact that it's her dad or our parents or whoever's took us. Uh, usually I should imagine the parental influence and certainly from our generation, Pete, the, uh, the, the paternal in, um, parental influence is very strong, very mm. strong, particularly in a, you know, working class earthy uh, city like Manchester, for example, you know, yeah. dad taking you there. But the point is, what they did was that they worked on for every child then in the city of Nottingham. And I don't know how they got hold of the database, probably through the schools or something. I don't think you get away with it now with GDPR and all that kind of stuff. Mm. But they sent a shirt, a forest shirt and a card to say happy seventh birthday. And inviting them to the game, two free tickets for them and a guest, obviously an adult to bring them. And the rationale and the philosophy, Pete, was once that child came and sat on the, the uh, you know, in the terraces of the city ground, they would have a supporter for life. So it's very interesting to hear you say how you switch. And I'm going to use this word loosely, very loosely, loyalty. Yeah. Yeah, it was a challenge, Paul. There's no question about that. I'll be honest in saying it. It was a challenge. You know, we have so many things in our society in, in the UK that have got like a historical context to them, if you like. And football is one of them. Because football was a game of the people, whether it still is or not, is another issue. But it, it was a game of the people, of the working man, for the want of a better way of putting it. A way in which, of course, what he would do is um, utilise his, his time at the end of every week and look forward to that game that he was going to go to. And to go to a game with a person who effectively was your hero, and that's my father, and that's not to say that I didn't love my, that I loved my mother any less. I didn't, quite the contrary. But me and Dad were sport mad. And um, as a consequence of that, obviously... I ended up spending a lot of time with him. And he took me to, to this game because he was able to get tickets in them days. And we sat in the best seats, believe it or not, which in them days are nothing like they are now. I never sat down, being a very little, a young one, because I was just 100% excited for 90 minutes and stood between my dad's legs. And, um, you know, all I could hear, remember hearing was the crowd every time a certain one, George Best, got a hold of the football and the crowd got louder as they actually said it was going, George, George, 
George, and it was just, it was spellbinding, Paul. It was, it was like Merlin the Wizard being stood in front of 40,000 people and sort of directing the traffic. It was amazing, to be quite honest. I never forgot that. So it was bound to stick with me, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, walking into a place that <laughs> I'd been, <laughs> in football terms, an enemy of the Reds was, um, was quite a challenge, you know? Um, I mean, the thing is, of course, is that I followed down um, my ex-colleague, Jim, Jim Castle, I've mentioned, who was the academy director. I followed him down from my, uh, my previous football club of which we both worked at together. And so by then I had not just a loyalty to football, but I had a loyalty to Jim as well. And I believe in that. I believe in loyalty. I believe in, in the strength of the word. I believe in the meaning of the word. I believe in um, what you have to do to maintain it and to attain it as well, by the way, um, because it's not just a word. It's an action. Loyalty is a set of actions created by a whole set of mindsets. And for me, that's um, it'll, that's a big thing for me. We start to come to a close, listeners. We start to come to a close. And I, I pause there for a moment. Interesting what we spoke about earlier about the power of silence. I did that deliberately. Maybe I asked a question rather than offer a suggestion. I wonder how many people felt just a touch uncomfortable then with that, maybe just that two or three seconds extra silence. It's like, well, what's happening here? As, as you know, as the podcast died, Somebody say something, you know, that natural reaction of the mind. And I leave you with that thought. That's my kind of concluding thought, Pete. What about you? Um, Obviously, you know, the two chapters there, chapters two and three, creating lines of success, influencing mindsets. In the next one, Pete, we'll go on to uh, chapters four and five. You are the leader and dangers of the emotional tree. But that's in episode three of five of the miniseries. But last word to you, Pete, is, well, the penultimate word, shall I say. Um, last word to you as the guest. Any kind of concluding thoughts around anything at all that we've spoke with, Pete, in the context of the language of winning? Well, there are some things, Paul, that are, that are always have a context of being slightly more important than other things. There's no question about that. Um, and what I've done with the language of winning is literally take a reader through what I believe are the key aspects of creating a winning culture, a winning environment, a place where winning doesn't happen once, Paul, it happens all the time. If you continue to challenge the environment, okay, that doesn't mean to say because you put those things in place that you'll continually win. And it comes back to the third chapter, the, the bit we've just finished talking about. Influencing mindsets never stops, but influence your own must come first. And you must always make sure that if your teammates bring their A game to work every day, that you bring your A plus game to work every day and that yours must never be the mindset that prevents development. And that great is a great point to leave it on by introducing a word that we haven't mentioned too much, Pete and I, in our uh... The word of responsibility, that personal mm. responsibility, because how many times you see it, uh, I don't think so much in there, but where people finger point, it wasn't me, mm. you should have mm. stopped the cross coming in, 
The fact yeah. that it went over the centre half said for him, the centre forward to score. Yeah, but if if the fullback didn't let the winger in to cross, mm. it would, you know, it's not me, it's you. Mm. I think mm. um, you know the winds of change are blowing in society where we're getting more of aware of the need to take responsibility. So, so till next time, Pete. Thank you very much indeed. You're very welcome, Paul. It's always a pleasure to speak to you, as you well know. And um, an opportunity to speak, I guess, about my work for the want of a better way of putting it. So um, thank you. Greatly appreciated. And all that remains now, listeners, is to sign off, is to blow the final whistle on this podcast episode by saying, remember, the world's changing. How will you respond? Thanks very much for listening to this World Game Changers podcast episode. Hopefully you found it interesting and helpful. Drop a line to paul at worldgamechangers.org with any thoughts or questions you may have and he'll be more than happy to respond. Remember, the world is changing. How will you respond?